The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas. Richard has a seven-night review of that ship. Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, standing by with Cruise News. Uh, a couple of housekeeping things. Our other show, River Cruise Radio, uh, 32 episodes out now. If you like river cruising or if you're thinking about taking a river cruise or you might want to one day, uh, check out River Cruise Radio. You can find it how you're listening to this. Also, don't forget our Facebook group, Cruise Radio News. Come kick around the cruise news with us. All right, Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, is here. What's up, Stuart? Hey, Doug. How's it going? I have a question because it's been in the news about the United Airlines where the 69-year-old doctor was drug off the plane. Uh, could that happen to a cruiser, not necessarily in that style or in that fashion, but could we be like denied boarding once we got to the pier because of an oversold situation? Well, I, I can tell you it's, it is extraordinarily rare for the cruise lines to be oversold, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, The cruise lines have long sold these cabin guarantees which allows the passengers to take advantage of, you know, it could be steeper discounts by booking a cabin type, but not making a specific cabin selection. But uh, where the cruise lines then would assign these cabins closer to sailing. But in the event that, you know, maybe they are overbooked, maybe, they, you know, they overcommitted. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen it happen. But uh, I, I think, you know, what, what happens is the cruise lines know in advance and they do work with effective passengers like the airlines, they do try to see if they can buy passengers off mm-hmm. uh, rather than having to forcibly uh, um, cancel someone's reservation. So really the only time you could get bumped would be like a dry dock situation or if someone chartered the ship. Or, listen, I've, I've seen it happen. I mean, it, happened, it used to happen a long time ago, uh, like over the holidays, you know, Christmas and New Year's. But, you know, over time, I mean, those problems have kind of rectified and they, they can do a lot much better job at forecasting. Remember, the, the sailings aren't as frequent as dealing with, you know, 4,000 flights in a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they've got, you know, one to two, possibly three sailings in a week, depending on the ship. Right. So it, it doesn't happen as often, but, uh, you know, the, the peak times, you know, like the holidays are, are typically when you could find that uh, these types of issues may occur, but uh, uh, it, it's, it's just not something that's prevalent at all. All right. Well, moving on here, Carnival Cruise Line. Uh, John Heald, senior cruise director over there at Carnival, or brand ambassador, whatever he's going by this week, uh, he announced on <laughs> Facebook that they were making a, about a half a dozen pools, the aft pools on their ships, kid-friendly, and that didn't go over too well. Well, you keep in mind, I mean, they, they do. many other ships have these adult-only areas, you know, the serenity areas that are very popular on the new ships. But uh, on some of the ships, on the uh, essentially the Destiny class, uh, or what's left of it, uh, the Conquest Glory, 
liberty, freedom, splendor, and victory, um, they, they have these app pools that are now being considered family-friendly, which a lot of passengers thought were oasises from the craziness of the families. Right. So, you know, you have the, the midship pools, you have the water parks, and so ships that didn't have the serenity areas kind of thought that the app pool would be kind of reserved for them, but uh, lo and behold, look out. Let's talk about Caribbean Princess. We actually uh, did a review of the ship last week on the show. Kristen gave us that, and it just got out of a massive dry dock. What did we see on her? Well, uh, what's really interesting is, you know, Doug, remember Caribbean Princess, when it debuted in 2004, was the ship that actually had a monumental change to the industry with their um, outdoor um, video screen. And just about every ship that comes out today and just about every ship, in the, you know, large ship in the world now have these outdoor video screens. So they, they did install a newer, larger video screen uh, on board. Uh, it was a two-week, multi-million dollar uh, renovation, uh, dry dock. Um, and uh, she re, uh, reappeared on April the 6th. Uh, in Europe to begin her European season. Um, some of the biggest uh, changes on board, they, they added some new restaurants. They've got a, a, a World Fresh Marketplace, which is replacing the Horizon Court, which is, you know, like kind of their, the buffet area. Mm-hmm. Um, they added two casual specialty restaurants. Uh, Cafe Caribe on Deck 14 was uh, transformed into a casual evening restaurant. Uh, so they're, they're calling uh, one uh, Plank's Barbecue. So they're going to be able to uh, serve ribs and beef, sausages, oh, uh, yeah. chicken, and all the fixing, fries, chili, coleslaw, charred toast, etc., and then steamer seafood. So uh, they're going to offer all kinds of uh, some really interesting things. And then they've got the, the Salty Dog Grill, which was formerly the Trident Grill. And they also just announced that uh, Sabatini's is going through another uh, transformation, and uh, they're going to have new... Uh, a new menu, decor, um, handmade pasta dishes from an award-winning Italian chef. It looks like food is on, on tap aboard Caribbean Princess. I got to say, Stuart, really excited about the barbecue joint. I mean, Carnival is going to have them fleet-wide almost by 2019, and now Princess? I mean, who's going to be next? We know, you know, having seen it years ago when it uh, debuted on uh, uh, Carnival Breeze, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we were both standing there with our, our eyes dropped you know our mouth dropped as as we saw the lines you know ringing around the 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 whole side of the ship and people walking uh, away with uh, plates with uh, stacked two feet high Um, so it it was incredibly popular i want to talk about china i mean what's really going on over there with all these cruise lines norwegian uh, joy heading over there majestic princess heading over there royal caribbean has a quantum class ship over there that's a lot of inventory can they fill all those ships well, it's interesting. We we saw the the first, you know, somewhat new ship with um, uh, Quantum of the Seas heading over there. Then, uh, you know, followed by the first brand new ship ever designed for China in in 2016 when Ovation of the Seas went out there. Uh, then, you know, uh, Princess Cruises uh, took delivery of Majestic Princess, which is another new ship that's being destined for the China market. And you mentioned Norwegian Joy, which is another ship for Norwegian uh, to go out there. So there's a lot of, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of the uh, previously introduced ships, you know, heading to the region. And we've actually seen a softening of the market. The, the prices uh, for the last two years and 2017 will be down over 2016. Um, so, you know, you, you saw 
princess, you know, saying, "Hey, we're going to put a ship there year round," and now we're hearing that uh, the you know September 2018 to the spring of 2019, uh, the ship will now spend time in Australia, hmm. uh, being based out of Sydney. So it really kind of shows that there could be a crack in the ice. Um, which, Doug, if you recall, we've been talking about that for years. In closing here, I want to ask you about Europe. Uh, Regal Princess, Koningsdam, a lot of ships heading over to Europe right now, leaving Florida. How is the Europe uh, cruise climate looking for the summer? Europe is looking great. The Baltic is is doing well. I know some of the cruise lines were uh, a little concerned about the terrorist attack in St. Petersburg, what effect that would have on uh, sailings that are doing the Baltic, and it hasn't had any. Um, those ships are, are continuing to sail full. The Mediterranean's doing well. There's still uh, good availability. Uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to heading out on a, on a couple of sailings uh, this summer in the Med. People are going. All right. Stuart Chiron, the Cruise Guy. Find him online at cruiseguy.com or follow him on Twitter at cruiseguy. Thank you, man. Hey, my pleasure. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at cruiseradio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. Richard just returned from a seven-night Florida Bahamas cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas. It's based up there in Bayonne, New Jersey. And uh, just us, Florida and the Bahamas, and Richard's on the line. Hey, Richard. Hey, how are you, Doug? Thanks for having me. Got a question. So you're up there in the New York City area. Is a cruise to the Florida and Bahamas that appealing to you? You know, for me, it's really, I don't really care where the ship is going. Uh, I always say, for me, it's about the journey, not the destination. I just want to be on a cruise ship and really out of the New York, New Jersey area, there's not a lot of choices, especially if you're only able to go for a week. So pretty much this is the route that I go 99% of the time. And I know you're more of a, a home port person where you only want to cruise out of New York or New Jersey. So some pre-cruise thoughts. Was this the reason why you chose Anthem of the Seas? 
It was partly that. It was partly that I got a really great deal. I also travel solo, so I'm always looking for, you know, ships that I can get a good deal on where I'm not necessarily paying the whole supplement. Uh, solo cruisers a lot of times have to basically pay double. Mm-hmm. And on this one, I got a really great deal. I had never done Royal before, and I wanted to try Royal. So, And I'd never gone out of Bayonne before. I'd always gone out of Manhattan. So just, you know, sort of a perfect storm of things made me wind up on this ship. So you make your way to Bayonne. How was the embarkation for you? It was interesting because this was my first time going out of Bayonne. So um, I had friends drive and drop me off, which was a little bit crazy because it gets really crowded. Like even just the line to drop off is, you know, you sit in traffic for a while. And then once you go inside, you run into one of the first things that was a little bit troubling. This ship and Royal are really big on technology right now. Everything is sort of the best you can get technology-wise. But as you know, when you're dealing with technology, it can go wrong. Things can really easily go wrong. At the port in Bayonne, they basically have – they have you pre-check in online. And then when you get there, you're supposed to be able to just basically walk up. They ask a question. They take your picture. And voila, you're on the ship. But their tablets weren't working really particularly well. The guy who was checking me in had a little slip of paper on which he was writing each problem that the tablet had. And there were a lot of them. They were only processing in the line I was in like one person every 15, 20 minutes. So the check-in was not ideal. But after that, once you got through check-in and you went through security, then then I was on the ship, you know, really quickly after that. So a lot of times when I cruise out of Manhattan, you check in and then you sit around and wait to get on the ship. This was not that. You, you checked in and you did get right on the ship. So once you got through the technology hurricane, how long did it take you to get on board? Once I got past checking in, mm-hmm. um, it took maybe five minutes to go through security and then bam, right on the ship. Cool. What were your first impressions of Anthem? Incredible. The ship that I sail the most often is Breakaway, Norwegian Breakaway. And Norwegian Breakaway doesn't necessarily make the best first impression when you walk on board Mm -hmm. because you're in sort of just a corridor. It's just like a brown corridor. Here, when you walk on the ship, you are basically on the esplanade. And so, you know, everywhere you look, there is something to see. There's artwork and the bionic bar is right across the way. And you'll hear music coming from downstairs. So immediately it just, you know, it really does have that wow factor from the moment you walk on board. When you're walking on board right there and get, you know, at the end of the gangway, it's like you're walking into a very nice upscale shopping mall. Very much so. And (laughs) it's funny because I haven't really been to a mall since I moved to this area because, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't really shop in malls anymore. But now that you say that, that is, that is exactly what it seems like, like the old, like the big malls in California. Yeah, totally. So you were mentioning uh, you sailed solo on this sailing. So let's talk about the stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? I loved the stateroom. It was, I can't remember the exact category name, but it's basically, it's, it's basically your straightforward regular middle of the ship cabin with what they listed as on the listing, it listed it as a small balcony. And I'll tell you, the small balcony on this ship was pretty big. It was like twice as big as the balconies I've had, the regular balconies on any other ship. The stateroom is fantastic. Big bathroom, lots of room. The layout is great. The colors are great. And it's a very intuitively designed room, meaning that like if you walk in the room and it's dark and you know there's a lamp on the the vanity or the table, 
your first instinct is to sort of reach to the bottom to turn it on. And there is a switch there at the bottom that will turn it on. It's the same thing next to the bed, right? Exactly where you would expect the switch for the lights by the bed. That's where they are. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really nice put together room. And the balcony, like I said, was big enough that it had two chairs out there and the chairs have footstools and you can, you can stretch out on them. You know, you're not pressed up against the glass the way you are on some balconies. So I, Loved it. Even the, even the decor. It was just nice colors. It was just a really, really nice stateroom. I really like the bathrooms uh, on this class of ship. I loved the bathroom. And in one of my um, my Facebook groups, someone had mentioned before I got on the ship that they loved the fact that they could basically shower and look out at the ocean at the same time. And mm-hmm. I was like, what do you mean? And I realized what they mean on this ship. The way the room is designed, if you leave the bathroom door open, you can look right out your balcony and out into the ocean. I may have flashed a paraglider at one point or another, but um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure they'll get over the trauma as will I. But yeah, the bathroom's nice and big. It's the sort of the glass enclosure as opposed to shower curtains and they leave you little bottles of shampoo and conditioner and little bars of soap. So you're not dealing with those wall mounted units that, you know, you slam your fist into trying to get uh, product in your hands so you can slather it in your hair. It's very, very nice. Very classy. Well, and you also really like the shaving bar in there too, didn't you? Uh, yeah, of course. Got to keep my legs smooth. I mean, I was going to Coco K. I needed to make sure my legs looked good that day. Uh, let's talk about the dining on board Quantum of the Seas. Of course, Royal Caribbean's buffet area is called the Windjammer. So we'll start well, there. Well, first of all, it's the Anthem of the Seas. Oh, is that what it is? What yeah, I say, it's not quantum? the Quantum of the Seas, the oh. Anthem of the Seas. And it's funny to have it written down on my legal pad as Anthem of the Seas right in front of me. But you know what? We're not going to take this out. And we're just going to keep rolling. So talk to us about the Windjammer on the Anthem. I ate at the Windjammer a couple times. It's interesting. The layout is a little bit chaotic, you know, it's, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme nor reason to where things are, you know, one minute you're in the vegetable patch and the next minute you're in, you know, tastes of the world, but it had a great selection. I thought the food was really good. There was plenty of seating. I mean, as far as the buffet goes, I had no complaints. Hmm. Main dining room. Talk to us about that. This was the one place that I had a little bit of, you know, a few issues. The way it is set up, they have four main dining rooms, American Icon, Silk, Chic, and Le Grand. Now, I would want to eat in all four of those dining rooms. That's, you know, I like seeing all the different dining rooms. And even though the menus are the same in all four, I still like having the option of eating in all four. You don't have that here. They use the two lower dining rooms, which are Chic and Le Grand, They use those for folks who have the set dining times. So I think it's like 6.30 and 8 or whatever it is. Those folks eat in those two dining rooms. People who are doing the my time dining, which is what I had, they go to the upper two restaurants. If you have a reservation for a certain time, you go to Silk. If you don't have a reservation, you go to American Icon. Unfortunately, I found that just about every time you went, no matter when you went, there was a line. And it was it was just sort of chaotic. Nobody knew what they were doing. It, it almost felt as if this ship was still in some ways in its – you know how when a ship first launches, they've got to work out the kinks? Yeah, it's it felt like they stages. were still doing that yeah. despite the fact how long this has been – You know, the, this particular ship has been sailing. I will say things got a little bit better once I realized – 
I realized if I went like 7, 30, 8 o'clock, most people had already eaten. And I also happened to get a server. His name was Vlad, and he was really awesome. And I went in and every night requested him, even if I had to wait a few minutes to get him. And he made the experience just a good server can really just make your dining experience. And he did. He, you know, if I happened to mention that I liked something, he got me another one of it without me even asking. He was, he was just phenomenal. So the food was good. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. It really is just the, the sort of flow of getting people into the restaurants that had some kinks. You also dined in a couple of specialty restaurants, right? I did. Well, technically, I only dined in one specialty restaurant. Technically, I only ate in Wonderland. I saved that for the last night, and I will say it was the best meal I've ever had, not just on a cruise ship. It's definitely in one of the top three meals of all time I've ever had, and I'm a real foodie. It was just an incredible experience. The servers were phenomenal. The meal itself was just, you know, just huge and full of surprises. And if you decide to go to Wonderland, the best advice I can give you is to let your server make the decisions for you. Let him sort of put together a menu for you and don't read about it before you go in. There were things that I kind of knew going in because I had researched the restaurant that I actually wish I hadn't known. But it's it's an unbelievable experience. The other restaurant that I did that some people that's sort of kind of a specialty restaurant is the Solarium Bistro. This is not an upcharge restaurant, but they treat it as if it is. It's not listed with the main dining. It's not listed, you know, it's sort of, it's listed with the specialty restaurants, but you do not pay a fee for it. It's a little bit different in that it has a um, buffet of appetizers and then you order your main course. It was Okay. I, again, found the big problem here to be getting in. I had a reservation at 6.30, went to the person at the reservations desk, and the restaurant was half empty. And he said, yeah, we're full right now. Come back in a half hour, 40 minutes. And that just really left kind of a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, wasn't, you know, they didn't handle it particularly well. They weren't nice about it. They were just sort of brusque. And when I finally got in, I was like, okay, you know, the restaurant is okay, but it, I had reservations to go back later in the week and cancel them because it just it just wasn't that special to me. But if you're looking to do a different restaurant than the main dining rooms and you don't want to pay a fee, it's a good place to try. You said you were a foodie. I am. So <laughs> I, I thought you said that. Every time I'm in New York City, we always just go to eat chicken wings at a bar somewhere. <laughs> Why aren't you taking it's me true. to good places? We, we really, you know what? You're a barbecue guy, so we <laughs> tend to go to like either chicken wings or barbecue or something like that. Um, but I am a newly converted within the last four or five years foodie. So I, one of the things that I really try to do on every cruise is eat something or many somethings that – I normally would not eat and that a couple years ago I wouldn't have even considered eating. And I did a lot of that on this trip. It was it was kind of great. Very cool. How was uh, like the breakfast situation? Are you a big breakfast person? I'm not a big breakfast person, but I'll tell you this, both breakfast and lunch. I would say it's kind of a, a secret, even though a lot of people know about it. Most people tend to at breakfast and lunch head to the buffet. But on Anthem of the Seas, right outside 270, the gorgeous, gorgeous public space they have that overlooks the back of the ship, there's a little restaurant called Cafe 270, and it has amazing breakfasts and amazing lunches. Just they have, you know, for breakfast, they have 
egg and cheese McMuffins, or well, probably not McMuffins, um, but they have croissants and they have cold cereals for the kids. And and then for lunch, they have an amazing selection of paninis and sandwiches and salads and the probably the best pound cake I've ever had in my life. And it's a great spot and it's never really very crowded and you can sit right in 270 and have a gorgeous view while you eat. I can't recommend it enough. Awesome. Let's switch gears here and talk about the entertainment on board. Uh, What did you think about it? I thought it was big and bold and loud. This is a ship that is clearly making, in every way, shape, and form, it's making a grab for a younger audience. You know, the the nightclubs have great loud music playing at night. Even Boleros, the Latin club, had um, an amazing Latin band playing every night. I don't really know much about Latin music, but I know every song that they played sounded like it could have been the theme from a new telenovela, and everybody was dancing, and it was a great mm-hmm. time. As for the main shows, I did not get to see The Gift. I was having a conversation with some people and completely gabbed my way right through the show. But I did see both Spectra's Cabaret and We Will Rock You. Spectra's Cabaret is the high-tech show they do in 270, and it's sort of another of those things about this ship where I would say go into it knowing as little as you can. It's just a spectacular performance, and it involves technology and people flying through the air and song and dance, and it's just it's – just, It's a little bit of everything, and it's fantastic. The other main show they do is We Will Rock You, which is the music of Queen set within a play. And I have to say, I thought the production values were amazing. Some of the best I've ever seen, not just at sea, but on Broadway. The songs and the singers, with one exception, there was one singer who was not really too great, but they were the the rest of them were really fantastic. But the play itself, and I know that people love this show. I loved the show as long as you didn't make me sit through the dialogue. I thought it was some of the worst dialogue I've ever heard in a play in my life. By about the fifth time they did a Britney Spears joke, I was just like, okay, I'm I'm you know, let's let's sing Bohemian Rhapsody and wrap this puppy up because it's it's over two hours. It's a really long show. Uh, But again, it's very loud. This is a ship that, you know, like you saw a lot of people walk out of, mainly older people walking out of We Will Rock You because it's just not the kind of thing you normally would see on a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. How about the outside entertainment? How was that? I thought there was a lot of good music all over the ship. It was the kind of thing where you just, wherever you wandered around, you were very likely to stumble into something. Um, Most of the time I ended up in... In Boleros, I really liked the vibe of that place. I really liked the music of it. So if I wasn't in the casino, I was mostly in Boleros. Any um, outside activity like the, the North Star or skydiving? Well, I signed up to do the skydiving, but I realized that I've had back problems in the past. And when you watch somebody doing it, the first thing that they do when they fall into it, you you know, you kind of put your hands up and you fall into this thing and your arms and your legs both go flying straight up with your back. It's almost as if it's going to fold you in half. And I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that. So I did cancel that. But I did the North Star, which terrified me, but it's really incredibly smooth, not scary at all, and just incredible views. I happened to do it when we were docked in Nassau, and so just had some really amazing views. And uh, it's also both the iFly and the surf simulator are things that even if you don't sign up for them, it's really fun to go watch because it's fun to watch people wipe out. Mm -hmm. It just is. So I... I enjoyed that quite a bit. Cool. So this was a Florida Bahamas itinerary. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, before we get to that, uh, I want to ask you how the sea days were as far as the congestion. 
The only time I really was aware of congestion is if I was on deck four, which is where they have sort of not only all the shops, but they also have the area in the center, you know, where they're selling jewelry or cigarettes or vodka or or whatever they're selling. That seems to be crowded almost all the time, Mm -hmm. but it's also pretty easy to avoid. So I didn't find that bad. They do have on the sea days, they have a um, brunch that you can do. It's um, $35 and it's a galley tour. And, you know, I don't know that it was worth $35, but one of the things that was nice about it was when you come right back from the galley tour, they have some food samples from some of the various specialty restaurants. So, like, they have sushi from Izumi. They have um, rice balls from Jamie's. They have buffalo smoked eggs from Wonderland. So you get a little taste of all of the specialty restaurants before you even get your actual meal. I will say this is not something you should take your children to. A, it's really loud and scary in the kitchen sometimes, and the kids that were on this tour freaked out. <laughs> B, it's a set menu, and you know they're not going to be able to get like chicken fingers or whatever. There's like three entrees you choose from, and that's it. So, you know, keep that in mind if we're even thinking about taking a kid on this tour. Was there a lot of kids on this sailing? There were a lot of kids on this sailing. Yeah. There were a lot of kids. Because Canada was on um, vacation and there were also a lot of spring breakers. It was definitely a spring breakers tour. But, you know, they didn't really bother anybody. They kind of hung out. I one night hung out with a bunch of them, had a great time. Um, I do feel like the uh, staff of the ship could have done a slightly better job in sort of monitoring their behavior. Like at one point, there was a group of spring breakers, you know, all these frat dudes sitting in the hot tub smoking cigars. And I just thought, you know, somebody should really stop that. That's just that's just not cool. Yet that was you 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah it totally was. So. It totally was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this was a Florida, <laughs> yeah, this was a Florida Bahamas sailing. What was your favorite port out of Nassau, Coco Cay, or Port Canaveral? Well, part of me wants to say that my favorite port was Nassau because I didn't even get off the ship. And mm-hmm. so I had the Solarium, which is their indoor covered pool, which, by the way, this ship is great for sailing out of in and out of cold weather because they have several really great spaces that are you where you can be in the water in January weather because they're covered. So I had the solarium to myself while we were in Nassau and that was pretty awesome. And I mean literally to myself there was not another person in the entire solarium except me and a bartender and that's the way I like it. <laughs> yeah. Florida was great. I went over to the Wilderness Lodge and tried out their new restaurant over there Geyser Point which was awesome. Had a really good fun time over there. And Coco Cay, I actually rented a daybed. They now have, in addition to like the bungalows that they've always had, they have these daybeds. And they are right on the beach. Mine happened to be right next to the bar. So I just kind of like waved my hand and a bartender would come running over with a cocktail. And they bring you your lunch. And they're on a beach that's far removed from all the madness. I will say if there's one thing they don't show you in ads for, you know, when they're showing Coco Cay in ads, they don't show you that during low tide, the water is about an inch deep. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you're counting on snorkeling, you better hope you're there during high tide because otherwise you're basically walking on sandbars. So a day bed, break that down for me. Like what, what does that, what does that even mean? Is it a, is it a big lounge chair with a, no, a TP no, canopy on it? It's a bed. It's a, it's a huge bed. The people in the, in the one next to me who I, I kind of met and hung out with a little bit, they had four people laying in it 
comfortably. <laughs> it's kind of a white, comfortable. They're not really the same kind of mattresses you would have on a bed because they need to be waterproof and sandproof and whatever. But they've got a thatched roof over them that protects you from the sun. If you want to, you can. Um, they have sort of cotton curtains that you can close if you want to put a little more privacy on the sides. They come with two lounge chairs next to them if you want to lay in the actual sun. They have um, they come with water and floaty mats and towels and it's only $99. It's $99 for the day. It's a bargain at twice the price. Are these the same beds that are on Bachelor in Paradise? Yes. Oh. Yes, that is exactly what they are. They are the Bachelor in Paradise beds. They that's <laughs> you can live out your Bachelor in Paradise fantasies and just kick back and and be, you know, the kind of person that would go on Bachelor in Paradise for a day. So you had two sea days and you made your way back to Bayonne. Three sea days, oh. actually, because because you start with one sea day and okay. then you have two sea days on the back end. Right. Okay, gotcha. So uh, you leave the Bahamas and you head back north towards Bayonne. Mm-hmm. You dock. You were home pretty early. Really early. <laughs> I mean, we pulled in at six o'clock. I was in line to get off the ship at 6.30. There was a slight delay where I don't know exactly why, but there was a little bit of a delay in getting us to begin going into customs. I was in the cab by like 7.15 and home by 7.45. And that, my friend, is why when you go to the port at 11 a.m., to get on the ship, you're able to get on so quickly because they they really basically have everybody off of there by 9, 9.30 at the latest. Wow. Yeah, because I remember landing in Fort Lauderdale, like it's a quarter till eight and I text you and you're like, I'm home already. I'm like, it's only yep. 7.45. That's insane. <laughs> yep. I was shocked how, how easy it was to get off there in a pretty timely manner. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any first time tips you have for Anthem of the Seas? Definitely do the North Star. Um, Don't be afraid. It looks much scarier than it is, and it's much smoother than you think it's going to be. And also, like I said, Wonderland, you can't go wrong. And keep your eye on when 270 Cafe is open. It's not open all the time, but the hours that it is open, it makes a great lunch spot. Really the best, probably the best lunch you're going to find on the ship. It's just that good and that fresh. Cool. Looking back over your seven-night cruise, the biggest highlight was... Oh, gee. You know, I'm I'm kind of a big fan of Coco Cay. I'd never been there before, but I like private islands, and I liked my Bachelor in Paradise day bed. It was just cool. And you kind of got to chat to the pe- with the people around you, so I met them and, you know, ran into them the rest of the week. And the other thing I would say is Bolero's. Um, Bolero's is a great spot with a really good specialty drink menu, good music at night. And overall, it's a really impressive ship, like just walking around and seeing the artwork. There's artwork everywhere. Yeah. Really cool ship. Did you get to see the uh, crazy pianoist or whatever he is? The I stowaway? did not. I was dying to see the stowaway pianoist. Yeah. Pianist? Oh, I was dying to see him, <laughs> but no, I did not ever see him. I thought I heard him once, but by the time I got out of the casino and up to where I thought I heard him coming from, he must have already been chased away. How oh, funny. Uh, so in closing, final thoughts of Anthem? Great ship. I didn't know what to expect going in, you know, because it is huge. And I was worried about crowds. I'd heard things about the dining. I will say this final thought, make reservations. This is definitely a ship with so many people on it that you need to, if you have any intention of seeing all the shows and getting dinner when you want to get dinner, make reservations. 
Cool. Been talking with Richard Sims about his seven-night Florida Bahamas cruise on Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas out of Bayonne, New Jersey. Richard, always good talking to you. Always good hanging with you. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.